Hi everyone, welcome back to Casual Watch Talk. This is episode 106, believe it or not. Uh, and a little brief apology, we didn't do an upload last week. We unfortunately both got busy, but I am joined by Chris. Hey, how's it going? 106. Yeah, it's going well. 106. A milestone. It it is a it's our hundred and sixth. Uh, we need to get to two hundred, and we didn't make a big fanfare when it was a hundred because I think I had a guest on and I totally forgot about it. But <laughs> right, right. so two hundred, we'll have to uh, we'll have to get to two hundred. Yeah, I feel like we made a big deal out of like fifty seven or something, and then and then it just and then time went on. <laughs> so Maybe we'll just do that. Maybe yeah. we'll just make a big deal of random ones. So one hundred and six, mm. yeah, mm-hmm. celebration. Mm-hmm. Well, for our uh, landmark 106 episode, what watch have you chosen to commemorate the occasion? What are you, uh, what are you uh, wearing today? So I have my C65 chronograph. Uh, yeah, it's uh, I am getting ready to go sailing this weekend with some buddies. Oh. And we're going to sail out to uh, Catalina. And so I figured I'd take the, I'd take the uh, dive chronograph. And uh, the the yacht chronograph, sorry, the yachting yachting chronograph, wear my boat shoes and go for a sail. <laughs> well, I've only ever got the ferry to Catalina, and I only know one other person that did it on a jet ski, and it took them about four hours. So, how yeah. are you sailing? You're not like wind sailing. This is a yeah, no, no, motor. yeah, no, wind sailing. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, I mean, if you have a you know you got a you got a thirty seven foot boat, you can you can catch a pretty big. You know, it does depend on the wind. If the if the Santa Ana's Santa Ana winds are kicking up, then it'll take we will end up motoring out the whole way and that'll be sad and boring. But as long as we get some offshore wind, we can sail into the wind and it'll take us longer to get back, but uh but uh yeah, cut through the cut through the wind and be there Friday night, Saturday morning. And if anybody's not familiar with Catalina Island, it's a stunning, beautiful island that most people know through the Will Farrell film Step Brothers. <laughs> That's right, because <laughs> they have the Catalina wine mixer there, oh, which yeah. is a real the, thing. Yeah, the, I can. The first, yeah, we the first time I was out there, we went out with some family, and uh, we did take the ferry out there, and it is a bit of, and that ferry is a bit of a. Uh, a college frat party on the way. It is a cruise. Yeah, it's it's like the bar opens and there's like, can I have eight beers before I make it to Catalina? And then we get there and it was like, we we took a tour around the island and it was like the aviary that doesn't have any birds in it, the casino that doesn't have any gambling in it, and the uh, and the and the downtown area that has more bars than churches. It was, it was, like, it was like okay. I've I've always liked it there. If, if this is just off the coast of it's off the coast of Long Beach, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's kind of a straight yeah, just like straight shot. It it takes I think the ferry's like an hour or something. Yeah, it takes and then you can only get round the island on a golf cart unless you're resident. And apparently there's right. buffalo on the island, but yeah. I've never seen them. Yeah, yeah, buffalo on the so Nat so, so uh, Hollywood brought a bunch of uh buffalo out there and then they just they went wild and so they just so like ecologists were like, well, we'll just we'll just leave them there. They're fine. <laughs> They're not hurting anyone and We'll just do that. And so uh, that's where a lot of the... Uh, so if you're in a fancy restaurant and you get uh, buffalo meat, that's your... Uh, it's, it's Catalina buffalo, so... <laughs> yeah, and also after your um, after your meal, if you need to freshen your breath, uh, Catalina's also very famous for having the Wrigley Mansion there. I think the, that's right. the chewing yeah. gum empire. Yeah, yeah, that's was, right. Uh, up on the... Big... Uh... Yeah, up on the uh, up on the shore there, and uh, yeah, it, there's a there's like a 
10 year waiting list to get cars onto the island because and also it it's i wouldn't even i wouldn't even bother so it's not like hawaii or or even Kauai, or even like a tiny island like it's not even like that like it's if you got a car there you could go up one street at 15 miles an hour and that's pretty much it (laughs) yeah it's actually i know this is a watch talk but it's quite an interesting island because they get their water from a desalination plant as well which i think more people should should use as well that's where you convert basically convert seawater to drinkable water so they yeah because there's no natural like there's no natural springs or or not enough to supply a a town like that so (laughs) yeah especially yeah so fun but yeah like i said so got the uh got the yachting chronograph the yacht uh the the 70s 60s 70s uh inspired uh c65 with the uh blue dial and the and the fun colors on it so got that going on well i'm wearing my trusty speed timer that i just i absolutely i I, I love this thing i Mm. think seiko have inadvertently created an iconic quartz watch when they were trying to copy one of their other iconic chronographs mechanical chronographs but i did go into i've been emailing back and forth with the rolex ad i'm still on the list for my green mint it currently it's called mint green now i'm sure it wasn't originally oh yeah i don't think it was yeah green yeah, Mink I think we were calling right. I think we were calling it like money green or something. <laughs> <laughs> no money green. Yeah, like, no money. Yeah, where like all out my of green's money. gone. Yeah. So, yeah. so I'm re- I, yeah. I'm really looking forward to yeah. getting that if I can get hold of one. I'm yep. not setting crazy expectations. In- interesting about your Seiko. So you so you've been wearing it on the bun strap, uh, or you switched I- off because it's summer. Yes, I switched off a little bit because we're okay. going to go to, we've been, it's started to be the rainy season here in Florida a mm-hmm. little bit and we are going to mm-hmm. water park. So I've had it on an Uncle Seiko and I'm now I've got it on a NATO. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's interesting. We were watching, uh, we started watching, we watched the latest Stranger Things and then we started rewatching it, which was, I think was, I, I think it holds up. It's great. It's a great series. Anyway, in the first series, Steve has like uh an old school like champagne dial timex i think it kind of looks like a timex it's a super simple dial but he's wearing it on a bun strap in the first season oh yeah i I do love the i do love the bun strap that mccola made for this watch actually and i've been i've been and so kind of re-watching it i've been keyed into like who's wearing what and and there's uh in like season three uh someone has the like super bright yellow swatch on and like it's kind of fun to to see they did a really good job they were doing a really good job with the uh you know with the time period i mean you know yeah. i i caught up to season three so season three is the, where they were in the the mall and just an absolute perfect snapshot of of what it was like in the in the 80s and in in america Yes, yeah, it's it's funny that we got up to season three and we kind of drifted off halfway in between, but we need to rewatch it because I, I think you mentioned it, a few other people have mentioned that series four is... The, the show is completely gone off onto it's a fine. huge tangent now. So to continue this tangent yeah. of television, we I never had seen Seinfeld, really. I watched the odd episode and i didn't really i didn't really watch it because you're you could use you're a little younger than i am well also so, i don't think we got it in the uk or if we did it must have been we more got what we got at that time was we got a ton of frasier 
Uh, we got Cheers, we got Mash, we got all of that, but not so, yeah, really Seinfeld. Cheers. I mean, I feel like Cheers was my dad's show, right? And then Seinfeld was like just as I was getting out of high school and into college, so it was like it was a perfect hit for 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 me. What's but. amazing about Seinfeld, rewatching it, apart from it being hilarious, and I think a lot of the jokes still stand up, yeah. but each series is also a history of Brightling. Because uh, right? Right. Jerry, he has a different Brightling. So, well, now he's he on a Navitimer. Yeah, so he, he it was interesting. So I, was, uh, so I actually looked this up. I was So I just rewatched it, like, oh, wow. past maybe, I think we finished, because we we, we'll just put it on in the background, right? Just like something to have on. Because we've seen, I've seen most of the episodes, so it's just kind of like something to just have TV on when you're just like doing something else. And I, I looked this up. Apparently, uh, so Jerry has that that Breitling for like the first like four seasons. I that made same the Breitling or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's got the um, the bullet bracelet. And at first, like when you see it on TV, it it looks like from a distance, it looks like an expensive Breitling on one of those like cheap Spidoflex bracelets. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, and it does like, look like an expandable one. And yeah. I'm like, what is it? What is he wearing there? And I'm like, and it wasn't until like later, because it was also, uh, you know, it was also we're also spanned like I think we sp- I think that series spanned digital television too. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe it was still four by three. But anyway, the resolution got better. And then you're like, oh, okay, it's it's that. And then um, I think, yeah, like fourth or fifth season when they were like, when they really hit their stride and like everybody knew it was a hit and everybody was talking about it all the time. And like Jerry was getting a million dollars an episode and everybody. Then it was like, well, they're not going to cancel the show. So I might as well just wear what I want to wear. And so then he shows up with the Navitimer. Yeah, he's, I'm on the season now with the Navitimer. It's beautiful as well. Right. And I was like, oh, first, first, uh, first appearance of the Navitimer. And then he's, uh, and then from, from then on, he's got some, some interesting stuff that he puts on. But yeah, you're totally right. It's just an ad for Breitling at this point <laughs> after that. <laughs> yeah. Talking about, we've, we're totally going off on the tangent here. Talking about an ad for Breitling. We do have a topic we're going to talk about. Talking about an ad for Breitling. Adrian at Bark and Jack got invited to the launch event. Well, they say it's a launch event, but he, as he commented, most of these watches are sold straight away. This, there was like a 364 limited edition of oh, a yeah. Cosmonaut Navitimer. It's oh, right. an amazing video because I didn't realize when I saw it, I'm like, that's awesome, that watch. But mm. it's a Navitimer. Did you see this? It, it's a Navitimer with a 24-hour dial. Like, yes. The time yeah. is 24 hours because the right. astronaut needed that. Right, right, right. Yeah, that that was the yeah. So it so it works. Yeah, it goes twenty four hours. So it so like when it's pointing at the six, it's twelve o'clock. So yeah, that's, that's yeah. No, pretty cool. Pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, I'd love to get in on another timer now, but I think the I think the ship sailed for me on that one because they are quite expensive now, aren't they? Yeah, I would. If you wanted to get on another timer, I'd go. I'd go Zen. Um. Uh, at this point, or, or see if you can find one used. I mean, if you could get, if you could get, you might be able to pick up a, a used Navitimer Breitling. You could, yeah, you could probably sure, find one. Uh, I'm sure, there's plenty. One there. of my very good friends uh, who won't be listening to the podcast because he's not into watches, but uh, Matt, who was best man at my wedding, his wife for their wedding, which was a few years before ours, bought him a Navitimer. 
mm-hmm. and I'm sure they were about three thousand yeah. pounds yeah. then, and yeah. now they're at nine, ten thousand. Wow, I was going to say five. No, no, not wow. at all. Yeah, they're more expensive than a Speedmaster a lot of the yeah. times now. Yeah, my, uh, yeah, my, I, I think they look cool. I, uh, but, um, it, I can't read them so <laughs> i'm just <laughs> i that's my dad that's my thing with that like it done this the information on it is like so tiny and i just and so i'd and i i guess i get i guess no that's not my problem the problem is not that i can't read it the problem i can put glasses on and read it the problem is i can't get past the fact that like the usefulness of it all this information on the dial and the actual practical usefulness of it is near zero <laughs> It's interesting you say that about the busy dial on the Navitimer because Scott Carpenter, who is the the astronaut that this watch was made for, he had a normal Navitimer. And when he was going into space, because he was he didn't actually land in the moon or anything, he went into right. space because they were measuring certain things like yeah, how that... people would digest food and what would happen right. to the human body right. because nobody nobody really nobody knew. Nobody knew, yeah. So he actually went back to Breitling and similar to what you said, he was like, there's just a lot of stuff on the dial that I don't. Yeah. I just, I just can't. Yeah, exactly. Especially like, all right. So you're in a spacecraft. You're, you're pulling eight G on reentry, right? No, you know, a little bit of, a little bit of vibration and shaking involved. I'm sure. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to be like, re- you're like, Oh, let me just, uh, let me just calculate the, uh, calculate the time on target here with my slide rule. <laughs> just like, yeah, so I mean, they, I guess yeah. in an absolute, I guess in an absolute emergency, you'd make it happen. But yeah, yeah. So they simplified the dial for him. They made it that twenty-four hour time as well because uh, okay. was, they were very concerned he wouldn't know, obviously, in darkness what whether it would be, you know, two in the morning or two at night. So they made that twenty-four hour dial. Yeah. His one actually, it's a great story actually. How Dinky did a write up on it. His one got damaged on when he did a sea landing because he landed off course because the autopilot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. broke but they've they've redone this watch anyway they've simplified it it looks awesome it's a great story and yeah, yeah. Uh, good on Bradley. Cool. this brings us to our main topic and chris and i were having a conversation and we'd love to hear your guys thoughts over on the facebook group is a watch companies now tending to more design watches for watch collectors i.e catering to nostalgia vintage elements to mm-hmm. things that watch collectors look for in vintage watches are they designing collections around that rather than focusing rather than focusing on a core collection that made them famous in the first first place i might not right. explain that well but the example that got me thinking about which was that new long jeans ultra cron the mm-hmm. Ultracron, mm-hmm. and it's a beautiful, beautiful dive watch. It's got this high precision uh, movement in it. It's chronometer certified, I think, was one of the first, maybe the first mm-hmm. long jeans. But it's mm-hmm. a very vintage-inspired piece. And their last couple have been maybe not references that they produced before, but certainly heavily vintage-inspired. And a lot of other companies have been doing this. And I don't know, Chris, what do you think? Do you think people are focusing too much on these vintage or catering to what collectors like rather than creating iconic watches that will bring on a whole new set of collectors in the future right are they moving away from a i'll just call it like a a bread and butter collection so like 
you know, do we think any do we think any enthusiasts had a say in what the Hydro Conquest was going to look like? Right? Yeah, probably not. Yeah. Probably not. I mean, like yeah. they were like, all right, so ceramic dive watch uh had to be, you know, sport sporty looking, you know, it it like ticks off a bunch of boxes, but I but I I don't think that they went, you know, into the forums and said, you know, what are you guys what are you guys looking for a modern you know, sports dive watch. I I think that that you know their their department came up with that. And you're right. I feel like they're shifting with their their vintage stuff. I mean, uh, their their reissue vintage. Um, yeah, maybe they're maybe they're really shifting to a what what does the enthusiast market want? Yeah, and and what can we make that's gonna hit that's gonna hit with them? Yeah, exactly. And just to say. All of these long long jeans have been absolutely knocking this out of the park. Every one of these that they've released looks absolutely stunning. Yeah, but yeah, I yeah. guess maybe putting it another way, are they creating watches for the purpose of making them icons rather right. than designing a... Because a lot of these vintage watches are now icons because they were a tool or they became ubiquitous mm-hmm. because they did something really well like the mm-hmm. submariner for example right so are they trying to they're trying to create a watch that is instantly an icon instead right. of s- sticking with this core collection that yeah. becomes an icon just over time i guess because right. rolex yeah, exactly. never play this game do they right. like rolex no, no. arguably never play no. this game but and right and can you see like you know do i you know can we see like in 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 30 years are we gonna have the hydro conquest reissue you know what i mean like is it is it uh you know are they just are just are they just making so you know like is their popularity sort of based on the fact that like this uh uh utilitarian we make a men we make a a group of men's sports watches and we make a a set of women's dress watches and we make a set of men's dress watches and we make a you know what i mean like they just that they just have a collection and and that they're they've gone from sort of checking off the boxes of we need a man's watch we need a lady's watch we need a diver we need a chronograph we need a you know a dress watch this kind of thing and focused on the enthusiast but but then have they str- you know is it like is it too far now i i like the look of the ultracron but it does remind me of the devil diver from from oh, the Bolova, Bolova. Bo- yeah Bolova, yeah it definitely reminds me of, especially with that red with the red hand it looks cool the case shape very very Bolova re- reminiscent but I think I think Longies has done enough here to make it look their own. Yeah, and you're right as well. I mean, Bulliver are doing this, aren't they? They're right. going through their back catalogue, and I mean, arguably, maybe for Bulliver, they needed that little bit of they they needed to update the brand by going vintage. But they mm. they've definitely been recreating them. I also immediately think of Doxa with their Army edition, the Doxa mm. Army edition, mm-hmm. which. Mm-hmm. Which was an, which is an interesting model, but again, they've made that limited edition. This is the other problem: they're creating amazing watches, but that are limited edition, but that are vintage right. inspired. Right. Yeah, and like, and then what is you know, like, what's the what's the t- too much of a good thing? You know, like, like, what's the ratio of we want to satisfy the fans and the enthusiasts, but 
we've we've either strayed too far from our core or we're uh you know we're just making these one-off enthusiast watches so there's you know 50 of them and so then we're like you know special edition special and then you get this like special edition to death kind of thing i uh i would also ask for especially you brought up doxa i feel like it's is it any of the companies right now that have been rebooted by marketing departments is that is that who are primarily doing it like let's see aquastar yema probably too like I, I feel like those companies that have just recently been like brought the brands that have sort of been resurrected, they're way more enthusiast focused. So you know, there's a little bit of a little bit of that, but you know, interesting. I don't know what the answer is here because I think also you could you could definitely argue the point, and I think this is certain. I think you suppose you have to take it on a brand by brand basis, but. There is certain watches, and I think Aquastar might be an example. Maybe Alastair Ulster mm-hmm. might be another one where they've bought back a vintage watch, but I feel like they've preserved the history of the watch by bringing it back. Yeah. Like sometimes these watches yeah, have been yeah, lost yeah, to time, yeah, but they were yeah. icons, and maybe bringing them back has, has come right. to a new audience. I, I think I feel like that about Aquastar in particular. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you're right. There's that's what makes it special, doesn't it? When you're bringing back these one-off pieces or updating them, the Walbrook Skin Diver, I think, is a prime example yeah. of this, where you bring yeah. it back and updating it. But is yeah. there gonna is there gonna be an oversaturation of it? Right, where right. it's gonna lose its its charm because everybody's creating. Yeah. Maybe we've passed that point. I think I, maybe we have. You know, because I because I think uh, I I think about. In in the last couple of years, all of the brands that were hot on the vintage loom that I personally I couldn't stand that I couldn't stand. I mean, I just uh, I just it just it hurts me because again, from a practicality standpoint, you're like practicality zero, and so very like utilitarian. You you guys know my watch brands <laughs> like name the top five utilitarian like you know. Uh, uh, military cockpit inspired you know <laughs> the loom has to hit you know it has to either be uh, radioactive or <laughs> or uh, or a super luminova you know this kind of thing and so I think that there were a couple of I can think I can think of at least two that if they came out with the uh, uh, Seamaster if they came out with that Omega that vintage Omega if that thing had white loom I, I would have bought it but it the just no time to die one. The yeah, the one that they put that orange loom on, that brown colored loom on. Ugh. And I was like, if you guys just made it with regular colored loom, I, I it would it would be on my wrist because it would just it would look, it would just look amazing. And and it's and, and like, I guess. And I've seen older like um, a Seamaster three hundreds that are like new old stock. That like that with they were white when they first came out. That, that loom was was just a light, super light green color, like it, it, it maybe maybe even a little light yellow, but but that was it. And yeah, if they reissued it just like that, I want to have a modern version with modern silicone gaskets of a Seamaster three hundred of of a nineteen sixty Seamaster three hundred. I always give Seiko a. a- hard time 
But I think they some of their reissues, obviously they've done a lot of them to death, like the 62 MAS, but they haven't mm-hmm. fallen into that overly vintage loom kind of thing. Mm-hmm. They have some slightly different colored loom, but they don't go all the way to the old radium look, which in itself is a weird thing to yeah, want to yeah. recreate radium because yeah. it was so horrendous of a material. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so many people suffered that actually had to apply that to watches. I don't know why you would go for an old radium look on a right. watch. I don't know what it, right. in, what, yeah. what moment in time you think you're capturing because that was a horrendous time. I think the, the radium girls was the first ever sort of health and safety encourages health and safety in companies or a or or setting up a class action lawsuit against a company that's right, that's right. Yeah. but uh, but so i mean i guess my point is they they wanted to capture that so so we we definitely have a bunch of brands out there that are trying to sort of capture that like what does the enthusiast want for a vintage reissue and yeah maybe maybe we are kind of past it um we're certainly driving it I mean, Longchain knows that this is, you know, that this is a part of their, that they're, that this is a big part of their world, that, that there are, that we've moved from, uh, and to maybe make an analogy, uh, we've moved from uh, vinyl records that were absolutely mass produced in a thousand factories in the United States, and were played on turntables a thousand times and then thrown away. We've moved we're, and we're now in watch collecting world. We are now in uh, downtown Detroit records, you know, re recreating the vinyl cutting machine, recording on analog equipment, a, a vintage recording from a, from a band you know that and and they're only going to do a thousand pressings and so maybe maybe we're here that's that's maybe a good analogy of like there's here's where we are now well yeah you might be right i was watching i don't know how i know this fact but i think i was reading somewhere that the, that harry styles released his new album on vinyl and it sold mm-hmm. more vinyl than any i don't know any vinyl in history but certainly any vinyl in recent memory he right. sold a ridiculous amount of the actual vinyl records yeah, yeah they... maybe this is a resurgence and and maybe that's actually a good thing because vinyl records have been coming back now mm-hmm. for at least the last 20 years i remember mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. they've kept that momentum it seems yeah. that they've been keeping this momentum going and maybe yeah. that's maybe so maybe these vintage models are to stay these vintage yeah and we're just and we're just settled into we're just settled into hey we'll have you know we got a bunch of enthusiasts we um, you know, we've got a bunch of, uh, old, old styles that we'd love to have recreated modern versions of. So maybe that's, maybe that's what we just skipped right over cassettes. Nobody wants the cassettes. Or so, mini discs. So the poor mini yeah. disc. Yeah. Nobody, nobody does. Well, the mini, you know, mini discs, like your, uh, your, your Casio calculators and your old, your, no, no, your Casio thermometer watch. That's your, that's your mini disc. And then, uh, yeah. And then all the, uh, the swatch cassettes were, were over those. Yeah. <laughs> We just skipped right over that. <laughs> what I think is always funny is, and this is a this is an actual prime example of what we're talking about now, is that everybody, I think most watch companies would be envious to be as successful as Rolex. Mm. Yet Rolex never does this, do they? Rolex never gives anybody what they want. I mean, who would right. have thought of a left hand drive? 
yeah. green and black. They never, they've never, you could argue one or two cases, you could say they, they bowed to what people were asking for, but mm. very rarely did they redesign mm-hmm. a model. They, they do allow Tudor to do that. Tudor definitely is brings back n- nostalgia-baiting models, don't right. they? But they do it yeah. excellently. Right, right, yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel, you know, I think the, I think the Black Bay is a nostalgia sort of style model. I don't think of it. I don't think of the Black Bay as a quote unquote modern. I mean, it it is modern, but the 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 style of it is that timeless, you know, classic case shape dive watch sports watch of of the past. That is that is sort of uh, you know uh, that uh, that's kind of that design language has been been, been brought through. Another interesting point would be that some of these that are re reimaginings of the vintage watches now, maybe it's poetic justice that they finally now have a modern movement in there that isn't that's <laughs> right. now been upgraded and isn't susceptible to the same uh, fate as perhaps some of the vintage watches where the yeah. movements didn't last. Yeah, I was. I'm. Ago. I'm. Yeah. I'm. I'm. I'm a hundred percent on board with this. I think because. Uh, I, I look at, uh, if, if we make the, I'll make a car analogy, um, all of, I, I can't believe the cars that I used to look up to and love in the 80s. Like the Contage. How, how friggin' slow and how underpowered these, I mean, like, I just looked at a, there was a, a 911 Turbo ad. And they're like, it goes from zero to 60 in 5.6 seconds. And they're super excited about it. And I'm like, uh, my wife's EV goes from zero to 60 in like five seconds. So, so, so no, not really that exciting anymore, guys. And it's just, uh, so right. The nostalgia for these like old motors and these, you know, like, oh, we'll get an old car. And you're like, you know, that makes you like, uh, what was it? The, uh, the Knight Rider, the, the Pontiac that was, that they turned into the Knight Rider. That was a five liter V8 that made 150 horsepower. And yeah, the DeLorean. They say right. that about the DeLorean, don't yeah, they? Yeah, it's just... an absolute slug. Yeah. 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 And it's like, and it's like, meanwhile, uh, you know, mom and her CRV is like, you know, taking old Camaros at the light. <laughs> it's just walking away. So, um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm here for, yeah, I'm here for vintage, but with new, new internals sort of capture that you know at that style it's it's interesting that the the brands do you think do you think seiko's doing it ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, seiko do it. seiko are gonna kill it i think mm, i think mm. they i think if anybody's gonna end this uh this this nostalgic watch designs it'll be seiko because they've right. uh the, the standard seiko line not the grand seiko of course because right, they've right. been certainly doing the um the Willard case, haven't they? And the yeah. uh, the sixty two MAS to almost to death now. You can almost you yeah. can get it in every every color you've ever wanted it in. Right, and, and that's also a little bit sneaky, isn't it? Because a lot of these they are doing and making them limited edition, and then yeah, yeah. But I, I feel like there's a bit of a, I feel like there's a bit of a, not a backlash, but the the one that I made the video on, which was the 
the reissue of the 1968 Diver. And I caught a lot of flack in the comments section about that because I argued that it was very overpriced for what it was and a lot of people didn't agree with me. Hmm. And uh, But the thing is that a lot of these, you can still buy this one online. It was a limited edition, right? but it's still available. You can still buy yeah, it yeah. online. And not yeah, only but that, not but... truly limited. Or yeah, exactly. You still get it, yeah. Exactly. So they're not maybe selling it, yeah. Yeah, for me, I think it was when uh, the modders got a hold of, started making the 62 MAS case. I think once that was available for modding, I was just like, all right, we can just make whatever... Like whatever vintage Seiko you want, <laughs> you want you want Marine Master hands on a on a 1962 reissue. I got you. <laughs> so, yeah, and I suppose that's what's kept a lot of a lot of it alive as well. I, I suppose it's both. It's an interesting and yeah, I suppose it's, it's an interesting thing to follow, isn't it? To where it goes. I mean, most most companies that are bringing out these reissues are doing them very well I, I, some of the some of the boulevard ones i'm not crazy about because some of them they went quite uh, they went they ex- expanded the proportions quite a bit right so they're yeah. larger than the original ones i right. would have loved a devil diver but they put that that miota 8000 series in it without the hacking oh, and the really noisy rotor and i oh jeez i didn't realize that yeah. I, i'm not a watch snob but i'm definitely a, a movement accuracy snob yeah yeah for sure for sure yeah yeah because it right and again that's that that extols the benefits of you know the the, a new modern move and yes i'm sure whatever it had in it in 1970 uh was was probably plus 30 minus 20 but (laughs) was but uh but you know come on we want you know we we have you know we want a 350 horsepower honda crv come on like what's going on? <laughs> Just give us something that's super accurate, super reliable, modern, uh, modern seals, modern, uh, modern movement. Um, yeah, I think uh, I was I was thinking about this earlier. I think the I think the pinnacle of like enthusiast models for enthusiast sake brand would be Dan Henry. Yes, yeah, I I would agree. Yeah, that that's creating a it's almost archiving classic models, right. isn't it? In yeah. with brand new internals. Yeah, yeah. And you look at like any a of kit them, car maybe like right. a kit, yeah, uh, like yeah. a kit card Viper, a, 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 not a Viper, a um, what they called now? maybe the Cobra, the Cobra, maybe the Cobra. Yeah, the Cobra. yeah, maybe the, the Cobra. Because like you get in a you get in a kit car Ferraris and that gets bad. That gets uncanny valley real fast. But like nobody's gonna go get. Nobody's going to be able to find a untouched AC Ace from Europe, import it, and then put an old, you know, f- you know, uh, V V eight in it and turn it into a an actual Shelby Cobra. So just go and buy the go and buy the kit. It's fine. The Factory Five kit. We're we got, we're good with it. And yeah, I think it's like the best of. It's like a the, the a resto mod, right? Yeah, and but I suppose as well, which maybe we will see coming to the watch world is, I, I doubt it. But what came to the car world where you've got drop-in quartz movements for vintage movements, <laughs> where you could just pull out a vintage mechanical right. movement from, say, in an old yeah. Hamilton or something, and drop in a yeah. electric. <laughs> Who was it? Like, uh, what was it? Who are the? Uh, was a co- There's a couple of companies that were doing new old stock. I can't. I can't think of. 
some one of the bigger companies was doing a new old stock movement, uh, and then randomly, like Fears was doing a new old stock movement, and I thought that was interesting. So maybe that's that's sort of the that's sort of a good analogy of like you find a company that's that has a bunch of these movements on the shelf that can that Holocaust can grab ice, them. I think it was, was yeah, it yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe that sounds right. But but they 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 were taking these new old stock movements. Doing the Swiss watch, complete disassembly, complete clean, complete new lubricants, reassembly, uh, you know, chrono certified, et cetera, and like putting it back together into a watch with modern seals. Totally, uh, totally fine with that, too. And I think the other thing as well is that we're, they're definitely, we're definitely seeing these vintage reissues, aren't we? But also listening to enthusiasts can sometimes be quite tricky because this is a lot of what micro brands fall into isn't it there a lot right. of the micro brands gravitate towards these more vintage style watches mm-hmm. and i'm not sure that that's necessarily yeah. easy to get i i, I know the guys at veya struggle to yeah, Vare's uh, yeah, Vare's a good example of, of people, or, and uh, Christopher Ward taking you know their forums and taking you know feedback, what you know enthusiast feedback. I mean that you you really have to the mark the the design department needs to really filter that because if if you do a Kickstarter where you let a bunch of enthusiasts design your dive your vintage dive watch. Okay, it's gonna look kind of like every other vintage dive watch. You know what I mean? It's gonna have that like it's gonna either have a turtle case or an old compressor case, and of course it's gonna be sapphire, and of course it's gonna have giant loom hands on it, and of course it's gonna be you know what I'm saying? And it's like it just ends up being you end up in this in this land of sort of unexciting Kickstarter t- type designed by committee watches that all look you know so i mean I, that's why i said longine i think did it good with this with this diver they definitely that definitely went through the design department that was not designed by by the forums if you will but it'll be it's there's a there's a line there where there's a wrong way to do this and uh and the right way to to say yes you know we know you want modern materials, but this watch would never have a ceramic bezel. And if we gave it a ceramic bezel, it would look it would look shiny, brand new all the time. And that's not and that's maybe not our design. And may, you know, and like, and you know, if you you know you go over to the the forums and they're like, must have ceramic bezel, must be able to you know jam into a door and never harm it. And you're you know, and you're like, it's fine. aluminum bezel is fine. Painted aluminum. We've been doing it for a hundred years. It's it's good. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. It's, it's suppose the irony is that a lot of these watches that are vintage reissues, the originals weren't actually that. You know, a lot of them had different materials and they aged naturally, and that's what made them icons. And they were they were also a, the the prime example with Seiko is the sixty two MAS was an affordable mm-hmm. watch at the time, and now you could argue it's quite unaffordable. Right? It's yeah. certainly not a. It's a, certainly a purchase you have to think about instead of right, just, you know dropping right, it. Right. Uh, but yeah, and I've and I've said this before with Seiko. It's like it's very it's very um, they, they'll have models that'll come out that if you really love it 
then then maybe it's maybe it's worth it for you you know like what's an you know what's an extra couple hundred dollars like if that's if that's your if that's like the one um then i i i get it but uh yeah it is hard to swallow when when their price point is kind of all over the board and then and then i really think the modding community for seiko should be keeping their prices honest you know i mean like if you look at any of those if you look at any of those new like limited edition super style whatever you could go over to a modder and spend half of that and get exactly what you want you know this sort of thing as a like a one of one <laughs> so yeah absolutely well well that was a really interesting conversation there guys let us know what you think over on the facebook group join us on the discord definitely subscribe to this podcast we really appreciate you listening and we'll see you next time on casual watch talk